0: Welcome to Pop Everything, a pop culture podcast about everything. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tim, and I'm the only host uh, here. uh, Long time listeners uh, to Pop Everything or The Complete Guide to Everything or Books the Podcast will um, know that usually there's another guy. It's me, uh, Tim, and then there's another guy called Tom. And we talk, and we have a conversation. Uh, Tom, unfortunately, um, is down. Down for the count with uh, the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. We were going to do an episode of Books the Podcast this week for you lovely patron people. Um, But instead, I could talk about books. I'm reading a book. All right, so, hey, get well... Soon, Tom, uh, he caught uh, COVID in Europe, apparently. Presumably, he was in Europe for a while, and he came back, and then he had COVID. So shame on on you, Europeans. What are you doing? Infecting an American, a good, upstanding American, who's just trying trying to have a nice time, traipsing Across Europe with his girlfriend, and the next thing you know, he's he's at home, and he's uh, he's he's infected with a virus. Ugh, unbelie- unbelievable. Um, so I'm not gonna talk about books. I am reading this. Well, how do we look, all right. Let me set the scene here. Oh, Pop everything uh, is a show. Um, that Tom and I launched, I think, probably like five or six years ago. We did a few episodes of it. Um, you can look it up. It's it's uh, all the other episodes are public. Um, there was one episode where Tom, uh, Tom was supposed to listen to a bunch of Randy Newman records, and then we were going to talk about them, and he didn't listen to the Randy Newman, and we had a and we had a a big blowout. I think that's uh, the. Uh, most notable, if if any episode could be uh, considered notable, but I'm not here to talk crap about Tom, a man who is lying in his sick bed, on death's door. It's not what I'm. That's not what I'm about. That's not what I'm doing. Um, so I'll bring back pop. Everything we talk about pop culture. Um, let me set the scene here. Uh, it's Friday night. Um, my. A uh, young child, almost a year old, is in bed. My wife, who is also sick, not infected with the corona virus COVID-19. Just a, I don't know, a regular virus, a cold, a flu. Uh, she took some NyQuil, she went to bed also. So I'm sitting here alone in my living room, drinking a beer talking to you fine folks um hey best patrons of the world we love you very much um and uh did I have a rough week I had a bit of a rough week I don't want to get into it it's fine I mean, you're not here to hear about my problems um am I reading a book that's messing with me look I know this isn't books the podcast but uh, you guys uh I think uh, a little check-in into what's Tim reading right now um, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing, right? It's relevant. Um, I'm reading a book. Look, I'm not like one of these productivity guys, but um, I'm reading a book um, that is kind of like, uh, it's it's framed as a productivity book, um, but it's really kind of existential. It's called 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals by this guy, uh, Oliver Berkman. Um, and look, I'm not looking for life hacks or time hacks or, um, hey, here's how to get more, here's how you wake up, like, a CEO of a corporation at four in the morning and do exercise bike emails or something. Um, it's a good thing Tom's not here. He would have interrupted me and been, uh dismissive of me saying exercise bike emails as if that's a as if that's a phrase but you guys know what that means right i think it's gotten to the point where when i'm talking you can i know i'm i'm familiar with the beats of like oh yep this is where tom this is exactly how tom would uh you know try to humiliate me but again not here to Hey, Tom, get well soon, we wish you the best. Um, The premise of this book is basically um, where if you live the uh, average lifespan of around 80 years, um, that equates to 4,000 weeks, Um, And that doesn't seem like a lot to me. And I'm also like, am I going to really live to 80? I don't know. So, um, and then the whole thing is about like, yeah, you can't do everything. So like productivity is a sham. You just have to make choices. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty cool book, but it's also uh, giving me a lot of existential dread um, on top of having like a weird week. So um, anyway, that's, that's just setting the scene here. But I wanted to do a fun pop culture show so hey dusting off the old franchise pop everything um took it to you the patrons hey well what are we talk about fun stuff i didn't want to just do another Q and A where people would be like hey what like i don't know what soup do you like or like what's your job or something like i don't know, just uh let's talk about like buh, movies and Music and TV shows, that's all I like talking about anyway. That's all I know about. And as you'll see, I'll answer these questions. Um, thank you, everybody who who uh, wrote in a question. Wrote in a question? Is that a thing? Can that be a thing? Thanks to everybody who, comment, who asked a question in the comments. You didn't have to do that. That was nice. You're all busy people. Um, I'm always... Uh, not humbled because that me that that feels like um, it's describing a little bit more um, reverence to you like oh yeah no I'm humbled by the fact that you um, love me enough to ask a question I'm always uh, grateful for the fact that people are willing to engage and uh, it's nice it's nice uh, thank you everybody. Um, You'll see as I go through these, um, I actually don't know a lot about movies and TV and, and music. I have a very limited view, so uh, I'll caveat this with, oh, one thing, this isn't going to be funny. If you tune in to be uh, for, for laughs, I don't know, I'll do my best, but I'm not going to like make jokes. I'm not going to troll you guys. If somebody's like, oh, what's the best TV show? I'm not going to be like, guys, grocery games, even though that's a pretty good show. Um, but you know what I mean. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not, look, this one's from the heart. This is Pop Everything, The Return, one from the heart. That's that's the full title of this episode. So I'm going to speak um, honestly, openly, candidly, uh, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be brutal. Um, the other thing, did I say this already? Just one man's opinion. Um, I mean, come at me in the comments, that's fine, um, if you think my opinion is wrong. Um, But you know, you know what they say about opinion. Hey, this is what I'm uh, drinking. I'm drinking a uh, Sloop Pills from Sloop Brewing. Um, It's a Pilsner. Pretty good. Having a beer at night. Friday night beer, baby. I previously accidentally uh, fell asleep on the couch watching Cheers. I meant to uh, start recording this about an hour ago, and that's where we're at. Okay, let's get to the, the questions. <clears throat> I really wanted to do a call-in show, but I couldn't figure out how to do that. Um, okay, question one. Uh, comes from Tony. Uh, So, what is the proper ranking of Beatles albums by overall quality? Um, Something that I said, hey, you should write in and ask me to rank the Beatles albums um, by overall quality. Um, And now I'm regretting it because I'm a I'm a Beatles guy, but I think you'll also um, I'll be revealed to be a bit of a fraud. I'm a Beatles guy. And I'm pulling up, see this is the thing, I had to pull up all the uh, albums um, so I can rank them. Are we all Beatles people? Are we we over it? Um, As the boomers' um, stranglehold over at least pop culture loosens a little bit, I think their grip on the world at large is still um, pretty tight uh they have a stranglehold on um i guess uh, you know most of the the world economy and leadership and politics but do we care millennial hey millennials uh fellow gen zers such as myself i'm a proud member of G- generation z gen z um Gen X even do we have reverence for the Beatles cuz I grew up listening to the Beatles, loving the Beatles. I think they're one of my favorite bands. If not my favorite band, but here's the thing. I don't think um they have an album where every song is good on it, right? There's always like one or two clunkers and that's fine. You know, there's always like a honey pie you or, like, there's a Ringo song where he's singing about, like, an octopus or, like, a, um, you know, oh, and then the porpoise is talking to the minnow. I guess Ringo doesn't have a lot of undersea songs. It's just the one. I was trying to make it sound like he has a lot of songs about uh, underwater life sea creatures that's, uh that would, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be accurate. That's not fair to Ringo. But okay. But here we go. Like even pulling up Abbey Road, right? Like there's a clunker on here. Let's let's take a look at this. Um maybe not actually. Come together's good. Something's good, Maxwell. Octopus's garden. Oh, the, the aforementioned Octopus's garden. We don't need that, right? Sorry. I like Ringo seems like a nice man, but if you put that in, like, smack dev in the middle of a record, you're just kind of like, alright. You put it between Oh Darling and uh, She's So Heavy, but, and then there's just a silly little man being like, oh, I'd like to be under the sea. It's cute. Cute. I'll play it uh, for a, a child. But come on. It's adult stuff. So... Starting from the point that there is no perfect Beatles album. And then the other thing that will really out me as a fraud is that my knowledge of the Beatles albums, I only know them like through and through Rubber Soul on. Right? So that leaves one, two, three, four... Five full albums that, like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of familiar with. Hard Days Night. I'm kind of familiar with Help. Um, I'm sure I know most of the songs on Beatles for Sale, but I just don't know them as albums. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't go through. Look, like, I'm not. I'm hey, I'm not one of these guys that's like, hey, uh, no, I, uh, I bought the the greatest hits. I bought Beatles One uh and that's all i need no i go i go deep best beatles song dear prudence we know this right i had a nice conversation after one of our london shows with a couple of fellas and i can't remember their names off the top of my head but that's mostly because i'm very tired normally i'm just terrible with names look you know when someone says they're terrible with names um everybody's bad uh, with names I'm trying to stop saying I'm terrible with names because it just means that, like, I don't try to remember people's names anymore because I'm just like, well, I'm bad at it. But, like, people who are, quote, good at it, it's not like they're they're magically, like, oh, no, I have a special skill where I remember names. I think. I think most of them are just, like, oh, no, I'm going to go out of my way and try to remember something. And, like... We all have the capacity capacity to remember things, right? If somebody's like, remember this combination for a lock, because your belongings are in there. You're not just like, I'm bad with numbers, so I guess I'll never have access to my stuff again. No, you remember it. If you go to an amusement park, and you need to go on a roller coaster, um, but you can't bring your stuff on the roller coaster, you have to get a locker... And it says like, okay, the locker number is eight four three two, right? You're not going to be like, oh, I guess I'll never see my stuff again. You'll just be like, okay, I had to commit eight four three two to memory. So anyway, I'm sorry that I didn't remember people's names. I'm just not. Um, I just didn't make the effort. I'm sorry. Anyway, we had a nice uh, conversation about the Beatles, um, which made me want to do this show. Um, Because I was like, "Oh, I enjoyed talking about the pop culture that I liked with these people." Um, That was a tangent that didn't need to happen, but here we are. Um, Okay, I'm going to say. So, I'm going to throw out. This is see. This is this is why it's garbage. This is why Tim's ranking needs an asterisk where we're throwing out the first I'm going by the UK releases which does not include no you know what it doesn't include Magical Mystery Tour um but I'm going to add that in right so I'm going to I'm going to start okay so it's going to be the UK releases plus Magical Mystery Tour this is pretty compelling stuff I think um starting with okay um for the early stuff I'm gonna go Um This is This is bottom five For me The early stuff No I'm throwing out Yellow Submarine It doesn't count To me I'm replacing Yellow Submarine With Magical Mystery Tour Because half of it Is orchestral stuff Um The song Yellow Submarine Sorry Ringo Sucks Um Oh, damn. But then you got only a Northern song. Pretty good George Harrison song. All together now. That can can get out of here. Hey, Bulldog is a Lennon song. That's a good one. It's all too much. That might be the best George Harrison Beatles song. And then All You Need Is Love, which we, we have on Magical Mystery. Again, is anybody listening... Sound off in the comments. Do you care about the Beatles? Do you know about the Beatles? Did you grow up listening to the Beatles? Um, do you think they're overrated? Do you think we talk about them too much? What band should we be talking about instead? What should be kind of like the standard monoculture? Here's the the influential rock band uh, of our generation. Or is rock music just dead and we're just talking pop? Or is the monoculture dead? I think there's a, there's an argument to be made for that as well. Usually I take a sip of a drink while Tom is talking, Um, which, you know, that means I have a lot of opportunities, Um, but you'll just have to kind of bear with me. And I'm not going to edit this. Don't ask me to edit it. I'm only going to edit it if I say something real stupid um, or real cancelable, Um, but look, you might just have to bear with me. Okay, so Yellow Submarine, out. Honorable mention as uh, three really good songs and then a bunch of, like, weird stuff. Um, And then the bottom five. Okay, I'm going to say the three that I can't really speak to. Please Please Me with the Beatles, Beatles for Sale, um, Tied for Last. Above that, Hard Day's Night. Above that, Help. All right. Now, so that's the bottom. That's the bottom 5. Now with Yellow Submarine honorable mention. Now, I'm ranking Rubber Soul through Abbey Road. Nope, through Let It Be, I'm sorry. Um best. Best best Beatles album. Look, we got to go Abbey Road. Right? Abbey Road with Revolver so so slightly behind it. Revolver's the closest they've come. Um well no, I just said Abbey Road was perfect except for uh Octopus's Garden. What's the Ringo song on Revolver? Do we know this? Yell it yell it out. Scream it uh at your car stereo. Um oh it's freaking yellow submarine the freaking you can't you can't escape yellow submarine Jeepers, creepers creepers ah. Um Ringo didn't write it but you can tell when they throw a song to Ringo Lennon and McCartney is like all right I mean we wrote all the we wrote the song um we figured out the chords and everything we uh, would be ashamed to show it out, but show, uh, to 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 throw it out. But I'm not going to sing it. And that for McCartney, that's saying a lot because it seems, seems like he'd sing anything. But for him to be like "Submarine," okay, I can't actually do this. Ringo, Ringo, you could have this. Um. Revolver two. Um. I'm gonna go Sgt. Pepper three. Sergeant Pepper's not as good as you remember, but there's some there's some good stuff. The guitar tones on it are really cool. Um, then Rubber Soul, then the White Album. The White Album should be number one. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be this guy. Uh, if they just pared it down to a single album, right? Because there's so much filler on there. Okay, remember, Honey Boy. The Ringo song is actually pretty good. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Don't make me blue. Um, then, then we're going Magical Mystery Tour. Such good, good songs on that. Um, and then Let It Be. Um, Let It Be is not that good. Isn't it a shame that, uh, we had all that footage, uh, for the Get Back documentary or whatever? It's like, oh, eight hours of the Beatles. And it's like... It was really cool. I loved it, um, but it was also like, yeah, singing a bunch of songs that I'm like not wild about. I think the unsung heroes on, uh, on Let It Be are better than, say, the titular track and some of the other, the other songs. Uh, like, I think uh, I've Got a Feeling, super cool, but nobody ever talks about that, right? Dig a Pony, really cool. Two of Us is nice. Across the Universe, classic. Alright, I think we can move on. Let it be, I don't want to hear that song again. Uh, Sorry. This is too simple, right? That and Hey Jude. I get it, but... Alright, thanks for the question. I I kind of fed you that question, and then I just talked about it for 45 minutes. Hey, you disagree? You got something to add? Hey, thanks Tony for that that question. Um... Sound off in the comments, uh, and you might just find yourself with the comment of the week. Okay, let's see what else we got. Um, rank all the podcasts about books. Uh, Richie asks, um, look, of course, uh, there's only one. Be silly. The, the best and worst, by default, books the podcast. Um, unspoiled. A podcast. What? Guess what? One of the patrons of this of this podcast is a podcast themselves. Um, wondering if you've seen Ted Lasso because I'm the unspoiled one in it this time. If you listen to to the podcast, it's it's about. I think you could ascertain. Uh, uh and I had no idea what I was missing. Highly recommend if you need a dose of joy. Um, and excellent jokes delivered with impeccable timing. Ted Lasso. They want to know, have I seen Ted Lasso? I like Ted Lasso. Um, You want to know, uh, m- hey, listen up. You want to know my thoughts? You want to know my opinions about it? I think it became a victim of uh being branded as feel-good television. And now I think Jason Sudeikis and the boys and the rest of the team and the gar- and the gals and... um You know, everybody working on the show, no matter what the gender uh, may be. I think they got a heavy weight on their shoulders now. And I think they're maybe overthinking it too much. It came out during the pandemic when we needed some uh, nice uh, levity. Um, It made everybody feel good. And I think they were just trying to make a fun show. And now I feel like they're trying to make a show that, like, has to thread this needle of being, like, actually funny but really make you feel good and really address uh, issues of mental health in a, um, you know, very responsible way. And, um, yeah, I think they're overthinking it a little bit. I think that first season was a lot of fun. And the second, and this always happens, but I think the, the uh, you know, a, a show in its success um, tries to kind of reverse engineer what made it successful, um, to make it, to, to, to keep it successful or to take it to the next level. And I feel like, uh, uh, now, and then there's going to be a back, I think there already was a backlash and then there's the backlash to the backlash. So everybody likes it again. And it's just like, um, I wish there was no meta narratives. See, I think this is why I liked, um, the situation in the 80s and 90s pre-internet um, and pre-stupid shit like what I'm doing right now um, where like people would just watch a thing and then they would like uh, they'd talk about it at the water cooler with uh, their co-workers or if you were me you'd talk about it with your friends at work or your brother um, who also watched it with you with your friends at school I didn't go to work when I was a kid. I did work at a butcher shop for a little while. I also worked uh, for the parks department for my uh, for my local village. But, yeah, I guess we talked about TV shows. But, like, you'd watch a TV show, and then you'd talk about it with your friends, and then that was it. There's this no narrative of, like, up oh, here now I get to hear what everybody in the world thinks about it, and it's going to be turned into some kind of meme or, uh, you know, there's going to be prevailing theories about it that everybody knows about. And, uh, every, you know, you had to be up on, you know, oh, actually, what are we all thinking about Ted Lasso right now? Uh, oh, actually, it's problematic now. And now we all agree on that. Oh, no, actually, it's not anymore. Um, I just liked it better when I was like, yeah, it was funny. and My idiot friends would be like, yeah, I thought it was funny. And then like one guy would be like, oh, I didn't think it was so funny. And then we just go about our business. Maybe we're analyzing stuff too much. Maybe we're analyzing the wrong stuff too much, right? Is that maybe what's happening? Is that probably the problem with society? Think about it. That's one to ponder, huh? Bet you didn't think we were going to get so deep with these ponderables. Thank you, unspoiled. Everybody go listen to unspoiled. Um Spencer asks what are the best Radiohead B-sides. Ooh, okay, I'm not going to get super deep. I th- I feel like I talked about the Beatles for 45 minutes. Um anybody who's left, thanks for sticking around. Uh sorry about that. When it comes to Radiohead, I'm showing I'm showing my ass here. Um I like Radiohead era um, from when I was a late teen to early 20s, right? So The Bends, OK Computer, Kid A, Amnesiac to a lesser extent, and probably Hail to the Thief, right? Um, that's my sweet spot. I would say um, we used to have this uh, record store when, when I was a teenager, and it's still there. It, it was like a CD store at the time. In the 90s, um, called Looney Tunes. Um, and it was an independent CD store, and they sold a whole bunch of bootlegs. Um, it was highly illegal. So you'd go there and buy the legit, like, you know, when an OK Computer comes out, you, you go buy that CD there. Um, but they also sold um, live bootlegs, so CDs of like live shows that you could buy. And they were all like 25 to $30. And when, you know, I was 14, You know, you really had to choose wisely. And I didn't really like... Look, can we all agree that live albums aren't that great, right? Listen to the studio version. You want to hear the song. Right? And if, hey, you want to hear live music, go see some live music. Go out there. Support the band. Buy a ticket. Don't buy a bootleg um, from Looney Tunes. But they would also sell bootlegs of they'd compile all the B-sides. And this was like pre-Spotify, obviously. Um, pre, where you can like go out, like you would just hear about, uh, and let's see, uh, like in the US, they really didn't release singles in any meaningful way. So you'd have to buy imported singles that would have one, maybe two B-sides on them. And those would cost 25 or $30. Or there were these bootlegs at Looney Tunes that would just like, compile all the b-sides so you get like you know radiohead i got one i got a cd with all the b-sides from um pablo honey the bends and okay computer you know it's like 40 tracks or something because there were a lot of live uh tracks on there too which i would also skip but 25 dollars for that there we go so i have to say the okay computer era b-sides um are the best. Um that airbag has my driving EP um with like melatonin is that the name of that song? Polyethylene, um, Palo Alto. That era is the best. Um I think they were try they were considering making okay computer a double album at one point. Um I had to say I bought the Kid A uh Amnesiac um special edition that came out. Very nice. Um, but I think the B sides were kind of lacking on um, that collection because I think they used everything, right? Because like, Amnesiac was kind of Kid A B sides. If I'm, uh, I know they didn't they didn't want it presented that way. But like the sessions that they put together, I think they were they were trying to make the case that Kid A and Amnesiac it wasn't like they put out the cream of the crop and then they put out the crap. They, they were two separate albums that came from the same sessions that all worked well together. And um, in their opinion, they were all of the same quality. Um, but there were, like, no B-sides there. And then there was one other song from, I think, the In Rainbows era, Bangers and Mash. Is that a song? Sound off in the comments. It's the one where Tom York um, played drums live along with Phil Selway. Um but yeah. Spencer in my opinion, those are the best Radiohead B-sides. Um All right. Corey asks uh, this isn't technically pop culture, but hey, whenever I talk about this and Tom here, he he tries to um shout me down. Um Corey asks any Timbo updates. That's a sandwich, uh the taste sensation that's sweeping the nation that I developed. Um no, not as of yet. Um, I noticed a flaw in the timbo. There's not enough textural um, heterogeneity in there. I guess right. I think it it seems to be like a little too mushy. I think there needs to be some crunch to it, some more bite to it. So I'm I'm working on a new. Uh, The Timbo 2.0 will be unveiled, hopefully, sometime 2022, maybe early 2023. Um, But uh, thanks, Corey, for staying on top of this. Um, You know, uh, it's an important story, and um, I really want to get it out there. So as much as you can, please shout about the Timbo. Timbo 1.0, not a bad sandwich, but I I think we can do better. And look... If you're not always constantly striving for improvement, then what are we even doing here? So you don't want to just um stagnate and and uh just uh look back and say, Oh yeah. Uh sitting on your deathbed saying like, uh, ah, I never really iterated the sandwich that I developed um in any meaningful way. And now look at me. Um spent all the time at the office with me, hanging out with my family and uh who suffered the general public who wanted an even better sandwich right so that's really my nightmare that i'm going to be having those thoughts on my deathbed so don't worry we'll uh we'll get a 2.0 out there for you um christian asks uh i think it's just christian um thoughts on uh, the great british baking show i like it Um, that's one of those shows that, like, um, it's just positivity and that's built in, uh, to the premise, to the format. They don't overthink it. They just do what they do. Um, I know people are upset that it's called the Great British Baking Show here in the States, um, and not the Great British Bake Off, and they try to make it, like, look, I'm no... Patriotic, hey! You know, don't say anything about America, but it's the Pillsbury Corporation that you got you got beef with. It's not America writ large. It's uh, Pillsbury, uh food company, one of the conglomerates. Probably back in the fifties or something, trademarked the phrase "bake off," so they can't they can't use it for the show. I think that that stinks. Um, Ian asks. I know you saw Nope recently, the the Jordan Peele film Nope. Uh, no spoilers here, by the way. Uh, where do you rank it against the other two Jordan Peele movies? Good question. I think Get Out will always be number one for me because my expectations were low. Because all I heard was that you should go in and see it um, cold, without knowing anything about it. And also, I was like, oh, the guy from Key and Peele. Made a horror movie. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll give it a shot. Um and the only other movie that I had seen that he made was that Keanu movie about the cat which uh, I think I have to go back and reevaluate. Um and I know that doesn't count as a Jordan Peele movie. Um but uh I saw it on a on a plane and it was an edited version. And every every line was edited, so, so it's like this movie stinks. It's, they're talking in baby talk, but it was all ADR. It was so anyway. I'd lo- I I didn't know what to expect from Get Out, and uh, it blew me away. I think that's uh, in terms of thrillers, I think that was the most tension filled thriller, and uh, uh, general uh, in general, just a novel concept, uh, well executed. The best thing about Jordan Peele movies are. Uh, Everything is perfectly executed. And I don't know if that's actually true, but like, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's upper echelon filmmaking, I think. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about Nope. Um, although, all right. Nope was the first time since, um, before this, uh, dang pandemic began, uh, Nope was my triumphant return to the movie theater, to the cinema, um so my wife and I dropped our child off at daycare and we were um we both had the day off so we went to a noon showing of Nope at the Alamo Draft House um and uh it was nice so I don't know I was also like a little nervous and halfway through the movie my wife got a call um from the daycare that our son was like sick, but like we didn't have to come pick him up. But they just wanted to let us know that he was like acting weird or something. So like I was preoccupied the whole time. And of course we're at the Alamo Draft House. I don't know if you know about the Alamo Draft House, but it's one of those uh, places that I love, where it's like if they see you pull out your cell phone, hit the bricks, pal. You're out of here. Um, I'm not allowed to. So like I felt bad, and I was like, oh, but I really want to see this movie. So like I just asked my wife to like go out into the hallway and take the call so I could watch the movie because I was more invested in it and I felt bad about that and then I was like if daycare called like so oh like shouldn't I just like shouldn't we just go and shouldn't I care whatever I, I did care I did care the, the The moral of the story is like um, I was so put off and there's uh, the second half of the movie all I was thinking about is like I hope my kid's okay. Even though the, the the call from daycare was just like, yeah, he's fine. Just want to let you know, right? Like, uh, he's coming down with something. Um, but like, also, it's like, if he's fine, then what do you, what, why are you calling me, right? Like, so is, is he fine? So, like, um, you yeah, know, so I, I was a little preoccupied there. So I think I'll have to see it again to really rank it. And I, I've only seen us once, and I felt like us was, uh, thematically maybe a little bit of a mess but like in a good way in that like I really should have watched it another one or two times because it's so entertaining and um just to, to figure and Tim Heidecker in that movie is really good um it's just funny that he's in that um anyway um get out and then um nope and us I really need to reevaluate um but in terms of just sitting there watching a well crafted well executed entertaining as hell movie, I think they're all on the same on the same uh level there is that a hedge? yeah, it's a hedge. who cares? I just don't feel that passionately about ranking them right now. taking another sip. you can pause this at any time. I think hearing my voice for like sixty uninterrupted minutes might be um. Oh. Annoying at best? Um, uh, Dangerous at worst? I don't know. Um, Ben Wilcox asks, uh, the best five album run ever? Um, I reject the premise of this. He wants to know, what is the best, a band that had the best five albums in a row? Um, I think every band has a shelf life Everybody gets upset when a band breaks up? No. I think everybody's got, like, three at most really good albums in them. And if a band breaks up, like, what, are you going to force somebody to keep putting out records? Look, it's diminishing returns from Go. Um, The band that most exemplifies this is uh, Arcade Fire, right? First album, amazing. Second album, all right, a little over uh, Third album, bleh. And then, like, each one just drops off precipitously from the, from the one before. Right? I'm not saying that's the trajectory of all bands. Right? I just said, uh you know, I cited. All right, I'm going to go. I was going to go. Uh, the Beatles don't count because I don't think. They have a flawless album. So it would have to... The the five-album run would need to include a flawless album. And what are flawless albums? Let's work backwards from here. OK Computer, flawless album. Um, Wilco's A Ghost is Born, flawless album. Hell, maybe even the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is flawless. Um, D'Angelo Voodoo, flawless album. But, what, he's only got three albums. So, like, you know, he doesn't qualify wilco if we start maybe if we started being there being there summer teeth yankee hotel foxtrot a ghost is born sky blue sky that might be the closest that we get maybe the or radiohead the bends see can you tell i'm a white guy in uh in middle age it's like is the Best 5 album run Wilco or Radiohead? Those are the only two I'm considering. Um, but, yeah. The Breeders have, I think, Last Splash is a flawless album. But Title TK, first half of that album's really good. Kind of fall, let's let's be honest with ourselves, kind of falls apart on the, on the back end. Right? Am I wrong? Sound off in the comments. Um... And then what's after that? Mountain battles, pretty good album. And then I can't remember the name of the the newest one, which probably disqualifies it from being uh, class. So where would we start with Radiohead though? The bands. So the bands. Okay, because I'm not including Pablo Honey. I've never even. Can I tell you something? I love Radiohead. I've never even listened to Pablo Honey all the way through. Sound off in the comments. Uh, do you care? Probably not. So we're going Benz, OK Computer, Kid A, I said this before, Amnesiac, Hail to the Thief. Maybe. I still think the Wilco runs. I'm going to say the Wilco run. I'm going to say being there through Sky Blue Sky. Because there's a lot of variety there, too. Not that there's not variety in, uh, you know what I'm saying. Ooh, okay. Dominic asks... Tom Hanks recently said in an interview, he was in four pretty good movies over the course of his career. What is your Mount Rushmore for Hanks? My Hanksmore. Um, first of all, he—that was a self-deprecating thing. Look, Tom Hanks is a charming guy, but I think this quote was uh, a little bit, um a little bit too transparently, uh, you know, transparently like, ooh, humble, right? Like some false humility there. Because um, it was in, he he wrote a novel, which like, hey, who doesn't want to read Tom Hanks' novel, right? That's what we want from him. Novel. Um, and it's it's about... Um, the making of a movie it's called the making of another major motion picture masterpiece which is actually uh you know if if he's gonna write a novel that i'm gonna read at least it's about the movie business something that he really knows but he was saying like oh like in the announcement for this book to, to sell the book it was like I think I know a little something about the movies. Uh, I've made four or five, four pretty good ones, right? Um, false humility. And you've made more than four good ones. Um, back to Mount Hanksmore. Um, let me just bring up his IMDB just in case. I don't want to miss anything here. Um, in the words of Steven Tyler, and I don't want to miss a thing. Um, Let's take Pinocchio off the board. Haven't seen it. I can't imagine that's going to gonna be. Elvis um, was playing in the background of a room that I was playing a board game in. Um, didn't grab me. I don't think I'm doing anything post um, maybe even 2010. Maybe Bridge of Spies. Was that just a good movie though? I've never seen Captain Phillips. I feel like Captain Phillips should be on there because I hear that uh, that's a great performance and, like, a pretty good movie. All right. In terms of Tom Hanks' movies, I enjoyed. And, like, I've said this a million times. Not that anybody here should, should know. Like, oh, it's like I always say. But I can't tell when uh, an actor is good. Um if somebody's a good actor or a bad if somebody's a really bad actor I can tell. But like when people are like, Oh, this is an Oscar level performance Um I can't I can't distinguish that from like eh, it's pretty good, I guess. I don't know. I he he was pretending to be a guy in the movie and um the whole time I thought he was that guy. I mean I knew he wasn't that guy cause I know uh I know he's an actor hired to be in the movie and he's pretending to be a different person but like it didn't distract me he said all the things that that guy was supposed to say um he made all the facial expression he acted it was as if he was uh you know he was pretending to do all the things that the that the fictional character was asked to do so i'm in good job everybody so I think this might just be um what movies do I like the best that he's in? And that might have been just kind of the the question anyway. Um Okay. Here here goes the movies that I liked the most with Tom Hanks. Look, here you think he's not he's barely in the movie. He's not, not barely he's not barely in the movie, but he's not the main character. But he directed it. I think he wrote it one of my favorite movies of all time, That Thing You Do. If you've never seen That Thing You Do, get out there. That's uh, that's it. That's on there. Um, another film. Catch Me If You Can. This is a solid movie. Great movie. Um, I'm putting all four Toy Stories as one. How many are on Ru- Mount Rushmore? Four? I'm going five. Um, pretend we're going to add... Um, who would we add to the real Mount Rushmore? Um, one of the presidents, (laughs) Clinton, no, neither of the Bushes. Right, we're not adding another president to 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 Mount Rushmore, and isn't it weird that we're like, oh, who's your Mount Rushmore? To be like, do we all agree that these four guys are good guys? I don't know. Um, I'm either gonna put The Money Pit. Um, if you've never seen The Money Pit, it's uh, it's from 1986. It's Tom Hanks and I believe Shelley Long. And they're fixing up a house. Um, big was good. The burps was good. There's it's uh, Hanks. More needs more than four. Um, Apollo thirteen was good. A little too self. That thing you do. All the Toy Story says one. Um, Catch Me If You Can. <sighs> Number four. Go in Money Pit. That's it. That's Hanks more. Um, and Bosom Buddies, honorable mention. I know that's, uh, that's just a TV show. How we doing here? Sound off in the comments. Uh, normally Tom would also be talking, it'd be more of a conversation. Not sure if I made that clear. This is, uh, weird. And last time I did one of these solo things, um, it was while my son was napping. He was a real little baby. Um,. Then he woke up. I hope he doesn't wake up now. It's almost midnight. But I brought him out here and he kind of co-hosted. He cooed and ooed and odd and squirmed a little bit. It's just me at midnight drinking a beer on my couch. And I asked all you guys to pay for this. Maybe I'll edit that part out. Okay. Um... All right. Patrick asks, what possible future event could top the slap? I know everybody's sip- sick of the slap discourse. I'm not. I'll never be sick of it. And nothing will ever top the slap for uh, a couple of reasons. Number one, it happened uh, during a rare live event. Uh, Where people are like how often like what is it going to happen at the Super Bowl or something like how many events are even broadcast live on TV now that anybody actually watches not to say that everybody was watching the Oscars but like at least it's something that like a good amount of people were on Twitter and experienced at the same time. It's not like uh, and everybody was like trying to figure it out at the same time Um, on this in this on demand lifestyle that we're all living. Um, you know, these opportunities for, for something like this to happen are few and far between. Number two, the stakes were perfect, right? It was a hard slap. It was like technically an assault, but only a psychopath was like, uh, and I think Judd Apatow was the, the guy who tweeted like, Oh, what if he, what if he'd slap, what if, uh, Chris Rock fell back and hit his head and died? Right, it's like well he didn't, and somebody else was like, "What if he slapped Betty White? Betty, first of all, Betty White was dead at this point. You slapping a corpse, nothing's gonna happen." Um, do you think the Queen was really in that uh, that coffin? Probably not, right? When the, the Queen died, they probably just like whisked her body, did something weird with it, right? There's probably some ritual that we're all not privy to. Some blood sacrifice or something or I don't know whatever I just don't think she was in that box Um but th- back to the slap Um, you know it was assault but it was also like two grown men who uh you know they both could take it Chris Rock took it but like if it was a punch that wouldn't have been that would have been like oh, come on this is this is you know, I don't want to see a man get like punched like Um, if it was, like, anything other than, you know, like, uh, did you, uh, anybody see the, I think in 2004, the Malice in the Palace, that basketball brawl where, like, people were throwing punches? Like, I don't want to see that. That's upsetting. I don't want to see actual violence. This was a single slap, and then a guy, uh, like, yelling, unhinged, not even, like, um, foaming at the mouth, just like trying to be a tough guy. Um, you know, in like a really weird situation. Um, so I don't think anything can, the the slap was so perfectly calibrated for like, it's the only time that we're all going to be able to see this. Um, and the stakes weren't low and they weren't too high. It wasn't upsetting to watch. It was just confusing. And then, um, you know, you couldn't have picked, Better people, and like, then you're like, oh, and then you find out more about it, and like, you find out that Will Smith is, um, like, has always been good friends with Chris Rock's brother, um, is it Tony Rock, um, and then there's like, oh, uh, then like, there's rumors of like a history between them, like, you're never gonna find this perfect alchemy of, like, all these things where it's, like, it's just, like, the stakes are perfect for you to, to, like, be rubbernecking and gawking at it, because it's not a tragedy. It's not, uh, like, everybody's fine. Everybody's still a millionaire. One of them's an Oscar winner now. Um, one of the participants is an Oscar winner. Um, so, yeah. Somebody wrote in and was, like, hey, wasn't friend of the show Dan Deacon at, in the room when that happened? Um... Yeah, he was. He was A movie that he scored was uh, nominated um, for. And, like, I've been too shy, and Tom has too, to ask him what was going on with the slap there. Because, like, also, like, that diminished everybody, uh, you know. It overshadowed. Um, Chris Rock was there to announce the winner of the category that Dan's film was in. So, anyway... Uh, I think there's a lot more to learn about <laughs> this <is> laugh. <laughs> Um And unfortunately, everybody except for me and Tom is uh, sick of it. Um, Angela asks, Always wondered what your take on Studio 666, the Foo Fighters movie, is. Um, <sighs> Angela, I tried to watch it on a plane. I had to turn it off 15 15- Remember earlier when I was saying... I can't tell when somebody's a good actor or a great actor, but I can tell when somebody's, like, a really bad actor. And these guys are musicians. They're a rock band. They're not supposed to be acting. It's fine. It's not like uh, I'm talking out of school here. Like, oh, no, no, no. These guys, uh, uh, like, I'm, uh, you know, taking food out of their children's mouths if I'm pointing out that they're bad actors. Um that and they were like selling jokes and i think every joke they made like they took two beats too far there was no subtlety to it um i had to turn it off and also um r.i.p uh taylor hawkins um i know the premise of the movie is that like one by one they they all get like murdered right it's a horror movie and uh i don't know i thought it was in poor taste to be like i'm on this plane let me watch uh this man get murdered on film who just recently passed away. But that, that might be me. I don't know. And I it's spoiler alert for what I'm assuming happened to the movie. I don't really know anything about that movie. Um, long story short. And also with the Foo Fighters, they want to pretend like this guy Rami Jaffe, this guy that plays keyboards, is actually an integral part of this band. Like they they make him like, oh yep, he's just like the sixth member or whatever the Foo Fighter, and like he's there, he's in this movie, he has lines, and like I don't know, you've seen these, like you've seen them play Everlong, right? Uh, they've they've been going around playing Everlong in every uh, talk show they've been, and it's like he's out there, he's banging on the keys. Do you ever hear? What what that guy's doing? I don't know why this guy's in the band. What's going on? I think he was in the Wallflowers at one point. Anyway, he seems like a nice enough guy. It's just a confusing band. They have three guitarists. Um Yeah, I don't know. Um, Jeff asks a good question. <clears throat> in terms of pop culture, what are your what are you most excited to share with your son? Um and same question for your wife. She's, she's, like I said, she took NyQuil. She went to bed. Um, she's not going to answer that. Um, there are things that I have thought about that I am excited to share with my son, but I'm also, uh, I, trying to be cognizant of the fact that ooh, his experience with these things, um, are not going to be the same as my experience with these things. It's movies, books, music, whatever TV shows that I love. Um, To some extent, I love them because of, um, you know, the circumstances in which I came across them. Right. Uh, One thing that I'm really excited to, for him to, uh, for me to, to to share with him it's Calvin and Hobbes the comic strip um, which I love which I think is phenomenal but like the way that I came to know Calvin and Hobbes was you know they printed a new strip in the the newspaper every day and it was kind of fun like I have fond memories of like Opening up the newspaper and like it's like oh let's see what adventures uh, this little boy's going on today with his with his uh, pet tiger, his friend, um, and like I think there's uh, there's a lot of depth to those um, to the that I didn't appreciate. To, but like I got the big treasury of the complete Calvin and Hobbes. But like he's not going to experience it that way. And also like. Um, I discovered that on my own, so that was like a thing that I had, right? Um, There was stuff that my dad and my mom showed to me that I, like the Beatles for one, that they shared with me, that I have fond memories of, but then there's bands like the Foo Fighters that I just talked about at length, um, where, you know, I discovered them myself, I had my own, like, so like, I have to understand that if I show him the Muppets Take Manhattan, a movie that uh, I love more than life itself um, he he might be like okay yeah he might not like it he might be like yeah cool dad like puppets whatever and then he'll discover some weird piece of something weird to me that might be mainstream in 2026 or whatever um, that like, I'm going to feel no attachment to, and that's going to be the thing that's most special to him. And I'm trying to prepare myself for that, where it's just like, no, oh, my shit shouldn't be his shit. Right. Um, I want, I'm, I've been playing a lot of music for him cause, uh, he dances around and stuff, um, when music comes on. Um, so I'm trying to like give him a good, like every day, every morning, Um, While we're getting ready for daycare, I put on a different band. So, like, recently, like, we've been going through the Beatles. I've been playing The Kinks, Sly and the Family Stone, Harry Nilsson, Beck, Destiny's Child, The White Stripes, Stevie Wonder, Slater Kinney, Yola Tango. So, like, I'm trying to give him, like, a broad, um, you know, bass to be, to like expose him to some stuff. But like, I'm not going to be like, hey, guess what? Your favorite band is Radiohead because that's your old man's favorite band. That's not what my parents did with me. They listened to their stuff. They showed me some of their stuff. A lot of it resonated with me. A lot of it probably resonated with me because, um, you know, the relationship with my parents, right? And if I heard it in a vacuum without that without it being introduced to me by them and the special relationship that we have, uh, wouldn't you know, wouldn't have hit the same way. So I think everything's contextual. I want to show him the stuff that I love. I will um I will try to share it with them, but I'm not gonna force it on him. But I really hope he likes Calvin and because that's really good. Um I think I'm rambling and so I think I'm going to end it there, um, but I appreciate everybody. you know you, you know there's a new thing? everybody you know people say, "I appreciate you. I like that. I like when people say that. I feel like people weren't saying that five years ago, but a lot of times if you, you know people say, oh, I appreciate you when you do something for them, and it's true. Right, like you appreciate somebody, you don't just appreciate that they're doing something for you. You appreciate, anyway. Uh, I appreciate you if you uh, wrote in a question. Did did I change that phrasing before? did Did we agree that that wrote in a question is a weird thing to say? Um, whatever. If you are listening, if you are a patron. Uh, I appreciate you. Um, thank you for being patron. We love you very much. Um, Tom will hopefully be... Hey, get well soon, Tom. Because uh, I don't think anybody wants this to happen again next week. Even though I have a lot of questions left to go through. Um, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do another one of these. Um, sound off in the comments. Be brutally honest. If this sucked, just be like, please don't do this again. I'm paying for this. Um, but we'll get back on track. We'll get back on track. Yeah. Um, once Tom, Tom hang in there you'll beat this thing buddy you can do it um, hopefully I know I said this last week but hopefully next week we'll return the triumphant return of books the podcast but until then thank you so much for being a part of pop everything the return do it Rocapella. Rockapella